see that step just reached out and grabbed my foot? It's terrible. Hi, everybody. Welcome to North County. Welcome online. You know, in this world of shifting sands, we have a solid rock. Amen? His name is Jesus, and we find him in his word, and we're excited to be going through Proverbs. We're not going to go through the whole book. Obviously, we can't do that in four, four weeks, but we're going to give you an overview, and hopefully that will whet your appetite to jump into that book yourself. So today, I get to kick us off and talk about trust. That's kind of a big topic. And as I think about God, and I think about life, and I think about my life, and I think about all the circumstances, things I've been through, difficult times, good times, I think that what God wants from me more than anything else is he wants my heart. He wants my trust. And so we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to share a little bit about how I personally do that, how I place my trust in Jesus Christ day after day after day. So, you know, I love to run, right? I like to get out there and my wife and I walk together, but there's two or three days a week that I get to run. And for me, running has changed over the years. I don't time myself anymore. It's just depressing, Um, you know, and I plan my routes differently than I used to plan my routes. I used to just go out and run and kind of just show up back home when I wanted to. Now I plan my routes to make sure there are bathrooms. And uh, anybody else do that? So I've got this one route. It's great. I thought there were only four bathrooms, but then Lester told me there's a fifth. Homestead Golf Course has a bathroom. So just so you know, if you're ever in trouble, it's a little red shack. So uh, sorry, Bill, but I just had to throw that that out there so people know. Um, So the other day I was out on my run, four-mile run, and I was running down Bender, and I made it past the Bender bathrooms. I thought, I'm going to be okay. Wait till I get to City Park, right? Four cups of coffee. I mean, is this okay that I'm telling you this? Is this all right? When you reach my age, you start talking about your health and all kinds of problems. So anyway, so I'm on my run. I'm going to make it to City Park. So I make it to City Park, but you know, it's getting urgent. And so I run to the bathroom at City Park. Luckily, it was open because how many of you know they're not always open, right? So I got in and I'm there when I the door closes behind me and I realize the light did not come on, the automatic light. There's no windows in this bathroom. And so... There I am in the dark, but I'm committed already, and so I kind of have to, you know, do what I'm doing. And here's what happened. I'm standing here in the dark, and all of a sudden, this wave of anxiety floods over me. I'm not kidding. I'm standing there, can't see a thing, wave of anxiety, and here's my thought. Who's in the stall? Who planned this? Who planned this? And they're going to come out, and they're going to whack me in the back of the head and take my phone. I, You know, for no reason... Too many Tom Cruise movies, I know, I know. But that was the thought. And I didn't invite it. I didn't think about, I'm going to have this thought. All of a sudden, that was the thought. And so for the next several seconds, I spent uh, my time just inviting the Lord Jesus to comfort me and the Holy Spirit to be with me and trying as well as I could to hurry. But there's some things you just can't hurry. And so, you know, and I just, I made it through the time and then I found the door and let myself out. But I found myself wondering, why why is it that anxiety came so quickly? I mean, I practice the presence of God. I'm with him every morning. Uh, he is very active in my life. I'm aware of his presence. So why is it that in a moment like that, all of a sudden, my heart went back to anxiety? And I think it's just because, as people, that's that's the norm. That's the human nature, right? And so no matter how much we place our trust in God, my experience is we have to keep working at it, right? He's done his part, 
And so we have to do our part. And that's what I want to help you do this morning. I want to walk you through what I do and then talk a little bit about trust. And if you get this passage of Proverbs right, then all the rest of Proverbs lines up behind it, and you can get the rest of Proverbs as well. But this is, to me, the key proverb of all of Proverbs. You ready for it? Here it is, verse uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, probably most of you have heard this passage. I grew up learning a song as a kid. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Anybody else? And I learned this passage. This is in my heart. But when it says trust in the Lord with all your heart, what does all mean? All, right? All your heart. And this heart, this word heart is really interchangeable for the word mind. And so really what uh, the guy is saying here, what, what Solomon or whoever wrote this Proverbs is saying, is he's saying, trust the Lord with everything that's on your mind. Trust the Lord with everything that's on your mind. And that's the challenge for us today, is that if you're like me, my mind tends to go toward anxiety and tends to go toward worry. So how do we come to the place where trusting God is the default of our life, where it becomes the normal of our life. And so there's some things that I do that I want to walk you through this morning that help me place my trust in God, that help me trust Him with all my heart. And the first thing I do is that I talk to God about everything. Like everything that comes up. Even when I was standing there in that dark bathroom, I began to talk to God out loud. If anyone had walked in, they'd have thought, who's this crazy person? And they would have run, right? And so I'm talking to God about every problem that comes into my life. And so that's number one, is to trust the Lord with all your heart, to talk to God about all your problems. I grew up playing guitar when I was about 12. I picked up a guitar, and and my teacher was James Taylor. I learned to play guitar on James Taylor songs. So I love James Taylor songs. And one of my favorite songs is You've Got a Friend. And if you remember the lyrics, you know, when you're down and troubled, right? And you need a helping hand, and nothing, no, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me, and soon I will be there to brighten up even your darkest night. You just call out my name. And I think that this song could have been written about Jesus. I really do. I mean, that's, that's really what our relationship with Christ is, that no matter where we're at, no matter what's going on, winter, spring, summer, fall, all we have to do is call, and he'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got a friend. So truly, truly, this is the first thing. Jesus is my best friend. I talk to him about literally everything. And as I do, he helps me process through whatever the problem is, and he helps me take responsibility for my part of the problem. Oftentimes, I don't know what I need to own until I've talked through it with Jesus. And then he helps me see, oh, okay, Kurt, you had, you had a part of this problem. This is your blind side. And then he helps me see what that is. He, Jesus actually reminds me of his perspective as I process with him. So I love to talk things out with Jesus. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter. He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties. There it is again, all. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So for me, talking builds trust. And as I talk with Jesus and I hear from the Holy Spirit, trust is built in my heart. Uh, the second thing I want to say about, about um, trusting God with all of my heart is that I need to read and I need to believe his promises. And th- this is why I encourage you to be in God's word every day. Because we have to read and believe his promises. The other day, somebody thanked me for posting 
the psalm of the day. For the last 12 years or so, I've been posting a psalm every day, almost every day. I've missed very few. And they thanked me for that. And I said, well, well, really, it's no problem. It's just my own personal devotions that I just cut and paste and share with you. So it's no problem. Like, I don't go searching for a psalm to share. I just share what I'm already in, what I'm, what I'm reading, what I'm believing. And that's been my practice for at least the last 12 years. Every day I read a psalm. And reading the Bible like this reminds me of how good God is, of how loving he is, and that he's trustworthy. So reading and believing the word of God helps me to place my trust in him. Proverbs 4.20 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them, and they bring healing to their whole body. So for me, to practice reading and believing the word of God is is primary to placing my trust in him because he makes promises in his word. And he, and he talks about his goodness and his love for me in his word. And so I need, I need that to penetrate my heart. He tells me that I'm his masterpiece and that he's got good things for me to do today. And so that's how I want to start out my day is reading and believing his word, truly believing what Jesus thinks about me and what he feels about me. So important for me to build trust with all my heart. Thirdly, trusting with all my heart means that I live more and more by his character and his values and less and less by mine. What does that mean? Uh, I've got a friend, Bill, who pastors up in our Kendall campus. And Bill says it like this. He says, every person that I run into in my day, I want to add value to their life somehow. I want to speak a word of encouragement. I want to say something kind. I want to let them know that I like them. I mean, whatever it is. And it's true. Bill is so encouraging. But that's his goal in life, is that every person he comes across, that he will somehow add value to their life. Well, guess what? That's what God does, too. That's what God does. And God wants to do that with us. He wants to add value to our life every day. Uh, Now, sometimes that means speaking truth in love. It doesn't mean it's all niceties. Sometimes it means we share the heart of God for somebody and we allow truth to come out of our lips, but we do it in love and we do it in grace and we add value to those that we love. The fourth thing I like to do to trust God with all my heart um, is that I like to guard my heart. I like to guard my heart. I, I don't let just anything or anyone into my heart. I guard my heart against competing claims. What do I mean by that? Well, Our culture has claims that compete against God's character and compete against God's values. Um, They want you to believe that you can trust the media. They want you to believe that you can trust your government. And while I honor my government, I don't trust my government. I'm just going to put it right out there and tell you. I don't trust them. I honor them. I respect them. I pray for them. But I don't necessarily trust them, and I really don't trust the media. Now, who do I trust? I trust any other spirit-filled follower of Christ. So if there's a spirit-filled follower of Christ in our government, I'll trust them. If there's a spirit-filled follower of Christ in our media, I will trust them. Why? Because they are listening to the same God that I listen to. They are trusting the same God that I trust. And so I will trust people that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as well. Why do I not trust the government in general or the media in general? Because sin or sin. And life is about power and life is about money. And that is what people are after. So why would I trust that, right? So I will trust those who place their faith in Christ. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, 
for it determines the course of your life. So, in general, for me, the world and its competing claims have to do with humanism and hedonism. They, the world just really says, do what's best for you, do what's enjoyable to you, for you, do what's fun for you, do what's good for you. That's what the world says. And that's in direct competition with what God says, which is to love God and love your neighbor, right? And so I really place my trust in him. Uh, the last thing is um, to make my heart grow in my trust for God and to trust him with all my heart is to let my desire for him grow. Let my desire for him grow. Don't stunt the desire that you have for Christ. Don't stunt the desire that you have for the Holy Spirit. Let it grow. Give it room to grow. I was talking to a friend the other day about why why does it seem easier for some people to place their trust in God than for others. I think we all struggle with that at varying degrees. And I think it has to do with desire. I think we need to get in touch with our desire to trust God and then feed that desire. Whatever desire you feed is the desire that's going to grow. And so when you get in touch with your desire to to trust God more and more with your heart and with your life, then you feed that desire. And you let that become the main desire of your life. And you do whatever it takes to feed that desire. And you become aware of that desire to trust God. And you you work to uh, intentionally feed that desire. That's what the Psalms are about. That's what they're all about. David wrote in Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Amen? So get in touch with that desire and feed that desire to trust the Lord with all your heart. Secondly, in our notes today, in in verse 5, the second part of verse 5, it says, Do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. What does that mean? Well, I can tell you that my own understanding of myself, of people, of the world is very, very limited. In fact, I wouldn't, I would tell you don't trust Kurt's understanding left to himself. The only thing, the best thing I bring to the table is the Word of God and that I listen to the Holy Spirit. And I hope you do too. And that's what you bring to the table. But our understanding, even of our own heart, is so limited. You know, I meet with people all the time. They're great people. They're people that are maybe sitting in the crowd here today. Uh, Maybe it'll be you next week or the week after. But I meet with people that are struggling with something in life. And oftentimes when we're in the middle of struggle, we we can't understand uh, even our own feelings about it. We can't understand our emotions. We can't understand our direction. And so then we need the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to to speak to that. And we need gifted other uh, spirit listeners Holy Spirit listeners to speak into that as well, to bring direction and to bring guidance. And so we don't just trust our own understanding, but we trust the Word of God, we trust the Holy Spirit, and we trust other trusted brothers and sisters who are doing the same things. We are listening to the Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes an outsider can bring a perspective that we don't have, right? And so we need to trust others and we need to trust God, particularly for understanding and counsel. Psalm 73 says, Yet... I still belong to you, God. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. So I think that if we just lean on our own understanding, we're in big trouble. I think we're in big trouble. We're going to crash and burn at some point. We're going to make stupid and sinful mistakes. And so we don't lean on our own understanding. 
but we lean on the understanding and the counsel of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Amen? We must. We must, okay? Number three, Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. No matter what you're doing throughout the day, no matter where your life takes you, no matter what your career is, or no matter what your life is like, what this proverb is saying is to acknowledge God in every single part of it. That's how you learn to trust Him with all of your heart. Let me give you an example. This is a a silly, simple example from my life. Saturday morning, yesterday, I was up early, like I am. It was about 5.15. I was reading my word. I was having a good cup of coffee had the fireplace on, and it started to pour. Was anybody up to to hear that amazing rainstorm? And so what did I do? I went, and this is terrible for a Dutchman to admit, I went and opened the windows while I had the heat on. That's a horrible thing, right? Because you're heating the outdoors now, right? That costs money. So, But I opened the windows. Why? I wanted to hear the rain. I love a good rainstorm, especially when it's warm out. When you're sitting there with a cup of coffee and the fireplace on and the Word of God in your lap and you open the windows and you can hear the rain just just thundering down. It's a beautiful thing. And for some reason, for me, it comforts my soul. I don't know why, but that, that sound has always comforted me. But another thing that it does is it reminds me of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And as I sat there in that moment with the Word of God in my lap and my coffee in my hand and the fireplace on and the windows open and the rain pouring down, As I sat there in that moment, my attention, my acknowledgement was turned to the Holy Spirit. And I had a moment with Him that I don't always have. And I think it's because I took time. I took time and acknowledged not just the rain, but but Him. You see, rain represents the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Water represents the Holy Spirit. Whether it's a rushing river or a fountain of life in us or a deep well, it's all about the Holy Spirit. And so in that moment, I just had a moment with God that was powerful and moving, and it was just encouraging. But why why did I get to have that moment? Because I took the time to acknowledge Him. Now, I think most of us acknowledge God when times are tough, when we need His help, when we're desperate for Him. Obviously, we, we turn to Him, we cry out for help, right? We need His help, and so we acknowledge His presence. But I want to ask you today, how much do you acknowledge Him in the little things? Uh, uh, rain, or just something that happens along your way? How, how much do you just allow him to be a part of those seemingly, you know, moments that just don't mean much? How much do you allow God to be a part of those moments? And I think that that acknowledgement helps us to trust God and make him a part of all of our life, not just the big bad moments, but also the little great moments that we get to have. Here's what God wants. God wants us to acknowledge him in all of our ways. And I think as we do that, we become more aware of his presence. And then when we do run into trouble, we're set. I mean, God's there. He's with us. We're acknowledging him already, right? And so we face our problems with a full awareness of the presence of God in our life. Why would we do that? Well, because his ways are better than our ways. I love Isaiah 55.8. It says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When I read that passage, here's here's what it means to me. What it says to me is that God is always up to something. No matter what you're going through, no matter what trouble or challenge or problem in your life, 
Or maybe it's a simple little rainstorm. God is always up to something in your soul. God is doing something on the inside of us. And we don't always see it and we don't always understand it, but his ways are not our ways. And so I believe that God is always doing things, like I like to say, he's doing his best work in the dark, right? When we we can't even see what he's doing. But he's doing things in our heart as we face the struggles and the challenges of life. That's when God does his best work. And God wants us to seek him in those moments. God doesn't just want us to not have intention and, and just let him do what he does and not worry about it. No, God wants us to seek what he's doing so that we can participate with the changes that he's doing in our hearts and in our lives. That's what God wants from us. Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He said, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So, this proverb says God wants us to acknowledge him in all of our ways. Whatever we're doing, whatever we're about in our life, God wants us to acknowledge him. Now, there's another way that we can acknowledge him. And for me, what this means is to be aware of other people while I'm acknowledging him in my life. There's a picture here that I want to show you of, uh, this is a man named Sanjeev. I met him last time I was in India. And, and if you're a part of my emails and my prayer requests, you'll recognize his name. This is a man who had an orphanage of about 18 young girls all HIV positive. I got to go and spend time with them and have lunch with them and bring stuffed animals to them. And last year, uh, the orphanage got raided. Sanjeev had to run for his life. He was going to be arrested. The girls all were beaten and sent to state homes. And he finally got a date in court. So now he's back out again. And here he is. And he sent me a message just a couple of days ago. And he said, this little girl is at the railroad tracks every day begging for rice begging for food. And he said, we get to be the ones, partly because of, of our contribution, we get to be the ones that bring this little one and other ones like her uh, the food that they need, not just to be full, but to live. And, and so why do I show you this picture? Well, because this little girl's on on a different way than I am. She's on a different way, and I'm on a different way than she is, but I can invite her into my way. I can acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ, in my way by helping this little girl or by helping somebody else. But the point of the matter is that in my way, I would acknowledge the Lord. And partly how I can do that is by acknowledging the people that he brings across my way. You know, Jesus said it like this. If you do it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done it unto me. And so we acknowledge the Lord when we when we push pause in our life sometimes or we take the time or we make the intention to become involved in somebody that wasn't on our way before, but now they've crossed our way. It's one way that we can acknowledge him in our way. And then uh, this Proverbs promises that if, if we do these things, that God will make our paths straight. God will make our paths straight. How many of you want a straight path? Let me see. Straight path? Okay. Uh, 20 of you. Okay. Well... <laughs> Next week, I'll talk to you about how you can have a curvy path and a bad path. All right? Because I know how to do that. Crooked paths are painful. I've been on crooked paths. And to be honest with you, most of the crooked paths I've been on have been self-inflicted. They've been paths that I've caused, that have caused crookedness in my life. And then I have to find my way out of that crookedness. I've got to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to lead me and to straighten my path. 
Um, crooked paths are not fun. They're dangerous to our lives. They cause problems to the people that we love. And, and they can be quite destructive, to be honest. And so we want to be sure that we're allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to keep us on a straight path, a straight and narrow. You've heard that before, right? Uh, let me give you an example. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I was a youth pastor. I don't know if you know this about me, but I was a youth pastor for about 12, 13 years. And one of the things I did was I got my bus driver's license. Now, you should never let a youth pastor drive a bus. I'm just saying there are two different gifts, right? And at that time, they did not make you drive a bus to get your license. You just filled out a written thing, and they gave you your license. So I, I know. So I have kept that license. I renew it every time I get my driver's license renewed, and I have to get a medical every two years, right? And so every two years, it happened just the other day. I got the medical thing in the mail. I said to my wife, hey, should I renew this again? It's, you know, 150 bucks or whatever. She goes, yes, you never know when you might need to drive a bus. And I haven't driven a bus in years. So I had my bus driver's license, and one of the things I did, I don't know why parents allowed us to do this, but I filled that big yellow school bus that we bought for the church, like a 60-something, filled that thing with kids and drove up to Mount Baker to go skiing. And if you've ever driven to Mount Baker in the middle of winter, you know, it, I mean, it's not safe in a car, right? So I'm driving a school bus full of kids, and you hit those hairpin turns at the top. You can barely get the thing around those to begin with. Now, going up's not bad because you have to go slow. You've got to climb. There's not a lot of danger going up. Coming down, it's a whole other story. You're on a very heavy bus, and I'll tell you what, you see that ledge coming at you, you know, the hairpin, and there's nothing on the other side. There's just down. And you see that coming at you, and your stomach turns. You start to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, and you know that if you slide, you're done. And you got 40 kids going over the side of the hill, right? And so you go really, really, really slow when you hit that hairpin. You're coming down from Baker, and you go slow, slow, slow. You hit the hairpin. You just crawl around the hairpin. The same is kind of true in life. When you come to a time of life where you're in trouble, where things are dangerous for you, where you're not feeling like you know what to do, things are unclear, here's the thing I want to tell you today is slow down. Slow down. Wait upon the Lord. There's something really, really good and biblical about taking your time when you're hitting big decisions or times in life that could be a crisis. Just slow down. Just pump the brakes. Just don't go too fast and wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord and ask him to help you get around that hairpin curve. Ask him to help you not slide off the edge of the mountain. Ask him to help you straighten out your path again because he wants to. But what it does require of us is it does require that we slow down and let God speak into our situation, into our circumstance. And he will. He will do that. Proverbs 14.2 says, Those who follow the right path fear the Lord. Now, fear means that, that you respect him, that you honor him, that you invite his perspective. That's what fear means. Those who take the wrong path despise him. In other words, if, if you continue to take the wrong path, you're really saying, I despise you. God, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to do things the way that you've called me to do. Now, the last thing I want to say about the straight path is that the straight path is not an easy path. I've been on the straight path for a number of years now, and I can tell you it's a very, very difficult path. And one of the things that's difficult about it is that God 
is all about changing my heart, changing your heart. And when you get on the straight path with God, that's what he wants to do. He wants to change your heart. He wants to adjust your character. He wants to work more deeply in your life. When you're on the curvy road away from God, he's not going to do that. He can't do that because you're kind of ignoring him. But but when you hit the straight path and you turn to God and you acknowledge him, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm telling you it's hard in a different way. You don't have the destruction, but you have you have the opportunity to change. And God works deep and meaningful change in your life as you allow him to take you on the straight path. And that's what God wants to do for every single one of us who are believers. You know, when you fight for your marriage, when you fight for your children, when you fight for social justice, when you fight for what is right, when you fight for the underdog, you know, that all of those things can be the straight path. And those are hard things to do. But God will meet you there, and he will help work change in your heart as you do those things. Proverbs 4, 18 and 19 says, The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. Today we want to pause and take a moment and acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ and his straight path as we receive communion together. So the band's going to come up. Um, But as they come this morning, uh, they're going to lead us in a song in a moment. And this song is called New Wine. And it's a beautiful song that talks about the changes that God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. And those changes often come through being crushed, um, through being pressed by life. That when God is pressing us or God is allowing life to press us or to crush us, that that's the moment when God is wanting to bring new wine or change in your life. Like, like he doesn't want us to do life the way we've always done life. God wants us to change. God wants us to grow. And I think the biggest way God wants us to grow is to go deeper in our trust with him. Simply that. Simply that that I would trust God more today than I trusted him yesterday. That I would give him more of my heart today than I gave him yesterday. That would be new wine. So take a moment, just relax in your seat um, and sing along. But let the Lord speak to you about the changes that he wants to do as you entrust your whole heart to him.